Morning, everyone. It is such a privilege to be together this morning. Uh, as a family, we've just come back from a wonderful break. It was such a privilege. And just coming back and arriving back and being around the office these last few days, I'm just so excited about what God has in store for um, people individually, for the church, and for where we're going into the future. And some really exciting news on the back of that, which has sort of been in the woodwork for the last few months, but we had a great meeting yesterday, is us opening up a new harvest site at Sabre Business Park, which is sort of on the corner of Enterprise Road and Ridgeway, if you know your sort of Harare surrounds. Um, it's in a different place to where some of the other sites are, and we just feel in this time and moving forward, um, it's just a really exciting place to be. And so that's going to be starting on the 11th of April, and in line with that, we're going to be really tweaking and adjusting our website to help with signups, particularly while we have this 50-person limit. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be showing you where the different uh, sites are that are meeting on Sundays and then there's going to be a sign up for those different ones. The Sabre site will be the only site for now that does kids work so um, that, that's important for parents with kids to be able to sign up there but uh, it's, it's been an amazing process the last few uh, months or in fact how long has COVID been going on for? A lot longer than a few months where we've really seen as a church because of how we've been meeting. We've seen leaders raised. We've seen more people coming to faith. Um, and we, we've just been so grateful to the Lord that in a sense, he's been preparing us for even more growth in the city going forward. So please be praying with us. Keep an eye out on um, WhatsApp, on email, um, on the website for more information. But we're absolutely thrilled with our ultimate goal of just seeing more people come to faith, more people discipled, um, and ultimately a greater impact in Zimbabwe. Uh, Easter services as well. Um, these are going to be happening, but please uh, just keep an eye out on your WhatsApp and your email because we're going to be letting you know where we're meeting and the times that we're meeting for Easter, Easter services. So stay tuned on that. So a number of years ago when I first came back to uh, Zimbabwe. I had come back to lead an organization which we were doing uh, teenage camps and we were doing leadership and team building and I came back at the time where we were just changing uh, from uh, sort of hyperinflation to US dollars and so it was a, a rather interesting time and came back to the, the, the people who've been running it before had done an astounding job of just keeping it going of just being able to keep this organization going um, in the toughest of times. And so I came back and we were getting ready for one of our first camps and literally everything had gone wrong. I mean everything. So people had been signing up for camp and they had been uh, signing up to come, but literally all the funds that guys had given us for this, um, all of the funds had been gone to repair our very old vehicles and to fix some things at the campsite. And so we were sitting in the run-up to camp with almost nothing um, in the bank at all. And we, I just didn't know what to do. I was a 23 odd year old or something like that. I was in a little bit of a tailspin. I couldn't sleep at night. I was panicked. Um, I was just going, Lord, I don't want to be doing this. I want to run away. I want to put my head in a hole. Um, I, was, I, I was in an absolute panic in that process. And so while um, we were in the midst of that, um, I remember just before camp, my parents were amazing and they said, um, hey, uh, we'll just use our Jeep Cherokee, good old school Jeep that they had, you know, use this for the boats just to get you through. And I remember them praying for me just before we went. I was um, in tears. I was so emotionally drained. I was, uh, I was crying um, and I, I was just going, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. I really don't know how I'm going to get through this. But... Camp did go ahead, God was faithful, lives were changed, 
and it was an incredibly powerful learning curve for me on what it means to rely on the Lord, what it means to be obedient to Him, even when it doesn't make sense. And through the whole process, it really felt like it was a test. It felt like this was a test that was given by God in order to prepare me to trust Him to a greater extent in the future. And so on, on the back of that, what I really want to look at today is sort of the title of God, why are you testing me? What is the purpose in our testing? But God, why are you testing me? So let's pray and then uh, we will dive into the rest of this message together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are a God who loves us. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you are a God who is with us. I want to thank you that you are a God who has got a purpose for our lives and you have planned our lives out in advance for your glory and for our good. And I pray that as we go through this message, as we look at God, why are you testing me? Why is this tough time come? What, what's the result? What's the purpose of it? I ask Holy Spirit that you would meet each of us where we're at, that you would show us more of yourself. You would lead us more into what you've called us to that we would never be the same as a result of our time together today. Amen. Amen. So we, we, we look at tests and the great difficulty with the tests that God gives us is that we don't want them, but in some senses we do. When I had that camp process, I never wanted to go through that horrible testing of financial difficulty and, and sort of fear and emotions. But on the back end of it, I kind of felt like maybe I did because I saw how much I grew and what God did in my life as a result. You see, in the moment that we're going through a test or during the test, we often feel unprepared or taken by surprise. But then as we look back on that test, as we look back at how God worked, at how he drew us towards himself, at how he grew our character in the process, and how he, he used us in other people's lives in the process. As we look at that, we kind of go, well, it wasn't such a bad thing. I, I didn't want to go through it, but actually it's taken me on to something else in the Lord. You see, the way that we respond to tests in our lives has the potential to either move us into the purpose that God has for us or to take us on a detour. And I so want us this morning to move into the purpose God has for us rather to go on detours in our lives. You see, there's this real tension that we face when it comes to tests, no matter how big or small they are. And I want us to hold the tension of those, but to move towards God in the process. So today, we're going to see a huge life test in action with the story of Abraham and Isaac. And some of you may have heard of the story before, if you're fairly familiar with Scripture. Some of you may have never heard about it. Um, but where, if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Genesis 22. And uh, if not, listen, it's, it's going to be on the screen. And we're going to dive into the story. And this story is a powerful one because it points so vividly to, to Jesus and Him coming to die for us. In fact, all the Old Testament, there's so many pictures, so many metaphors of what Jesus was going to come to do. Because you see, the Old Testament points towards Christ. The New Testament shows the coming of the kingdom, the ushering in of the kingdom, and it points us towards the final coming of God. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to uh, Genesis 22. So to set the scene, 
And we'll do a little bit of a background for a brief little bit. God has come through for Abraham in the most incredible way. He's allowed him to increase his territory. He has grown in stature amongst different leaders from being a man who just started out on the journey. And now suddenly he's grown in amazing stature amongst the leaders around. God's provided him a son which was absolutely humanly impossible. He, in a sense, is like a grandpa, um, him and Sarah, and God provides them a son, Isaac, in the process. Um, and, and so things, in a way, couldn't get any better at all for Abraham. He's sort of in the sweet spot of life. But then he hears calling from God, and God says, Abraham. So we're going to pick up the story there, Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. So God tested, God brought this test about and he will bring about tests in our lives as well. We'll see later the purpose of that. But he calls out to Abraham and Abraham answers. The first step, I'm going to do a number of observations as we go through the story. First observation, first step in any test is to listen clearly for God's voice and to keep listening. You see, there are so many voices that we can be listening to. And we live in a culture of an overload of voices and we never really know if they're true. With social media, with internet the way it is, we can hear things from almost anyone. We can hear things from, from preachers. We can hear things all over the place. We can so easily take that as truth. But is it really? Is, are what we're listening to, is that actually truth? Is it actually God's voice? But there's a few things that we know that are true. God's word is absolutely true. 100% true. We also, if we are a Christ follower here today, we have the Spirit within us who speaks to us, who teaches us, who directs us in the way to go within. And if we're longing to follow God's voice, if we're longing to hear His voice, and if we're ready to obey, He will speak and we will be able to hear Him, just as it happened with Abraham. So then this is what he says to him. So Abraham's listening. He's like, oh, I've spoken to God before. This is quite an exciting journey that I'm on. So this is what he says. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. Can you imagine Abraham listening to this little bit of a story? So he's going and first God says, take your son. And he's like, ah, yeah, okay, God, you know, that, that doesn't sound too bad for the start off of a sentence for you talking to me. You care about Isaac. I care about Isaac. And then he goes a bit further. He says, your only son. He's like, yes, Lord. Well, you, you know, there's only son with me. Obviously, um, through Abraham uh, not, not being the wisest decisions and, and living in sin, he actually had a child, um, Ishmael, through Hagar. But he had left. So now Isaac is the only one with him. And so God's like, take your only son. And I'm sure he's like, well, yes, God, you, you kind of know. You had a big role to play in that process. So, uh, yes, uh, you know as good as I do. And then God says, whom you love. And he's like, well, yes, of course, God, you know, I love him and you know, I love him deeply. And, and you know, that whole process. Um, and he says, and go to the land of Moriah. Now, he probably would have been like, well, that kind of doesn't really make sense. That, that's a little bit strange. But, well, God, you've, you've, you've taken me on stranger journeys. You've asked me to do stranger things. So, oh, well, that, that, that can kind of make sense and offer him as a burnt offering. Wait a minute, God, wait a bit. Let's just, let's just backtrack small, slightly. I understood all of that, but now clearly this part I'm not hearing from you. I heard that, but maybe something got in the way of the airwaves and I didn't quite hear you talking to me properly. Did I, did I really hear you say that um, you love me? You love my son, I love my son, and uh, you now want me to go on this journey and you want me to offer him, you want me to kill him uh, and place him as a burnt offering 
towards me. And Abraham must have been like, surely not. That doesn't make sense at all, God. A test will challenge us. God tests us and it will be a challenge. It'll be uncomfortable. It may be confusing. We may have questions that we don't get answers to from God. That's the nature of a test. We don't know everything about it. It's a test. You know, just as in school and everything else, when we were given tests, we had learned things in the past. The test was testing us on it, but sometimes there's curveballs. Sometimes there was things that we didn't know. And that's the nature of a test. Abraham was facing one. Maybe you're facing one right now. All of us are going to face tests at one stage or another. It's how God grows and develops us. So Abraham carries on. This is what it says. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. So Abraham doesn't question God. I'm sure maybe he, he had some other conversations, but look at his immediate response. It says, so Abraham got up early in the morning. So next observation, our response to a test from God shows our level of trust in God. It shows where our relationship with him is at. You see, a test shows us if we follow God for what we can get or because of who he is. And there's a subtle difference, but it's huge. You see, it's very easy for us to follow God because of the gifts he gives, because he gives, gives healing, because he gives provision, um, because he gives uh, you know, our, our freedom from uh, oppression. All these things that God gives. It's very easy for us to follow him for those things, but not actually for him, just for him. And so for Abraham, it was clear that he was following God for who God was. In the midst of this test and things he didn't understand, he was obedient to God. And so a test will show you and I where we actually stand with God. If you go through a test and you find suddenly you're running away from God, you're angry with him, your faith is taking a hit, you can be quite sure that there's a problem with your relationship with God. There's a problem with who you see God as. And that can be a helpful thing for us in the process. So Abraham prepares everything required and he departs. Now this was a three-day journey, it tells us later. This wasn't just right around the corner. This was a three-day journey. What was going through Abraham's mind? What sort of conversations did he have with Isaac and the servants? Was he praying the whole time saying, God, you've, you've got to change your mind. I'm being obedient, but oh my goodness, you have to change your mind. Did he even sleep? I kind of think as a dad, I think if it was my dad, uh, and God was asking something like that of him. If it was me, God asked me something like that of my daughters. Um, obviously, God made a way out. He wouldn't ask us to, to take out our kids. But um, I, I, I sort of try and put into the process, I mean, would he have slept in the slightest? What would he have been saying? Uh, it's sort of too difficult to comprehend. But either way, he was obedient. Either way, he took God's word and what God was saying above anything else. There's a great passage in James 1 verse 2 to 4. It says, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials and often a trial and a test can be very similar because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And this was kind of the journey God was starting in Abraham 
through this test and it's what he will be doing in you as well as he takes you through a test. He's wanting you to uh, move from a, a, a faith that maybe isn't as strong to an enduring faith and then from that he wants to move you into maturity, complete completeness and not lacking anything in him. So that's where he wants to take us on the journey. Now if we look at this with God the Father and God the Son, God the Father's journey with the Son to the cross wasn't three days as Abraham experienced with his son. It was from eternity past knowing that this moment where Jesus would come to earth to die for us would most definitely come. Can you imagine the conversations God the Father had with Jesus about the journey they would walk together in the future right towards the cross, bearing it in their heart? desperately wanting there to be another way out, desperately wanting there to be another solution to the sin of the world, but knowing it had to take place. Such an amazing picture of, of sort of the journey God would have gone on with his son, Abraham going on with Isaac. Verse four, on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the boy, and I will go over there to worship then we'll come back to you. So a test gives us an amazing opportunity for greater intimacy with God. It gives us the opportunity for it. At the time of greatest challenge and test, Abraham chooses to worship. This is beautiful, this is heart-wrenching, this is emotional. At, at the time where he is, he's actively going, God, I can't believe you're asking me of this. He worships Jesus. He worships God. It's so easy for us in the midst of a great test or a trial to, to run the opposite direction. But Abraham says, Isaac, we are going to worship the king together. We may not understand. We may not know why we're in this test, but we are going to worship the king. We're setting ourselves. We're lining ourselves up in line with him. And so he takes everything he needs for the sacrifice. He wasn't second guessing God in the process. He was absolutely resolute on what God had asked at the moment to um, at that very moment um, he was he was moving towards sacrificing his son but as that time was getting closer he continued to worship no matter what test you feel you're going through right now and i i know there's people going through tremendous tests maybe it's um a difficulty in a relationship maybe it's suffering of some kind maybe it's it's difficulty in in survival and and economics i don't know what the test is that you're going through no matter how difficult it feels move towards the Lord and not away. Make a conscious decision to say, God, I don't know why. I'm not exactly sure, but I trust you and I'm going to move towards you. Even if things don't make sense, move towards him. I've spoken to so many people who've been through the most difficult of situations, the worst of trials, the hardest of tests. And they've said whilst they would never choose that situation, whilst they would never want to go through that test ever again, one thing they have said is they said they've experienced a sweetness of God's presence, a closeness to Jesus that they have never, ever had before. Hands down, I've asked countless people. They've said, in the midst of it, if I've pushed in towards the Lord, I've experienced an encounter with Him that I've never had at any other time of my life. That happens when we keep coming into the Heavenly Father's presence in worship. That's what Abraham did in his test. And uh, it's, it's, it's a real thing for us to think on as well. Number six, or oh, verse six, sorry. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He laid it on his son Isaac in his hand. He took the fire and the knife 
and the two of them walked on together. And so Abraham lays this wood on his son Isaac. He hasn't told his son everything yet. Maybe his son had a sort of inkling or an idea what was going to happen. We don't know. He asks a question later, but we're not sure. But he lays this on his son to start this walk up the hill, uh, Mount Moriah. And isn't that just such a similar picture to God the Father, in a sense, laying the cross on Christ, laying this chunk of wood on Christ as Christ walks up Golgotha, walks up the place of the skull towards his death, towards where he would be an offering for us. You see the cross that was about to become the sacrifice for each of us that Jesus was about to um, be nailed onto didn't take God by surprise. He knew exactly what was going to unfold from the beginning of time. And it's just a powerful picture. God the Father walking with the Son, going on this journey, but a journey of heartache and a journey of sorrow, but knowing why it needed to take place. And then this picture of the, the fire and the knife. You see, um, Abraham would have had to take that with him and the knife, um, which, which, which is terrifying to think through the processes. But you know what those two show us, what shows me about what God was doing with Jesus on the cross? Well, fire is so often meant for purity, right? Purifying fire in Scripture. And what was happening in the process of Jesus dying for us is we were earning, or, or not earning, we'd be giving the gift of the purification of our sins. Um, in a sense, fire from God to purify our sins. Then the knife, such a great representation of the knife with the sword of war. God was waging war against Satan and the works of darkness. So the fire for purifying us from our sin, the sword of war, what Satan thought was victory was actually the greatest defeat and it was a victory for the Lord. But what a beautiful picture of what Jesus was going to do. Verse 7, Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? You know, he obviously, you know, for the burnt offering, he obviously knew something strange was happening. Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord, we've shared on this a few weeks ago, where the angel of the Lord often, um, it's almost God speaking, it's, it's, it's him, it's his words, um, called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Notice how he, he said it twice. This was urgent. This was immediate. You need to listen. Then he said to him, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son only, your only son from me. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, he took the ram, he offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. So next observation, a test will show if Jesus is supremely valuable to you and I above everything else. That's what a test will show. Abraham was willing for the sake of God and for God's word to not even withhold his son to be obedient to God. And so what a test will do in your life and mine is it will show us, is there anything else in our lives that is more valuable than Christ? It will show us, is money more valuable? Is our health more valuable? Are people more valuable? Is the place we live more valuable? 
is saving um, face or what people think of us in society more valuable, a test will show us, will be used by God to show us, is Jesus supremely valuable in our lives? And it will very often open the door to the miraculous in our lives. You see how God miraculously spoke, he miraculously provided this ram. So often in the midst of our greatest test and trial, God will bring about something miraculous to show the God that he is. What about for Jesus in that process? Well, Jesus honored his father. He paid the ultimate price for our sin, but he believed that honoring his father and paying the price for our sin was supremely valuable. So he laid down his life. When Jesus cried out to the Father in anguish on the cross, look at what's recorded in Matthew 27, verse 45 to 46. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole earth. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. May have said that right or wrong. That is my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You see where Isaac was there with Abraham and he could talk to him at the moment of Jesus's greatest need, when he needed his father the most, his father turned away and he couldn't look on his son because of the sin that was weighed on him, the sin of the world was poured out on Jesus. So he was absolutely alone and vulnerable um, in that process. And then the son prays a little bit earlier when it comes to, will you take this away from me? Similar to what Abraham, I'm sure, asked. Verse 42, he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. But you see, the father and the son, they knew that the cup could not be taken away, that there was no other solution. There was no ram in a thicket that was going to be provided for Jesus because Jesus was to be the lamb. There was no way out in the process. But by him doing that, he gives us a way out. He provides a way out for us in our sin. Closing off, verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord came to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By him, by myself, I have sworn. This is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. We were uh, recently uh, down at the sea and I, I remember holding in my hand just the grains of sand and, and the girls playing in the sand and just going, Lord, it's, it's almost like that from Abraham, just billions of people. We, we almost can't count them, the grains of sand that God honored and has promised to Abraham as a result of Abraham's obedience. So um, he carries on, your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men. They got up and went together to Beersheba and Abraham settled in Beersheba. Final observation, passing a test will move us into the purpose God has for our lives. Abraham passed this test. God tested him. Abraham passed the test. And what was the result? A promise from God, a powerful promise from God that the reward for Abraham would be the fact that he would be the father of nations. That um, it, it says there earlier that his, his belief it would be credited to him as righteousness. But, but, but in this promise it would be like Abraham, you've got to know that because of your obedience to me, you're going to be the father of nations. The tests God gives us are stepping stones towards a life of greater intimacy, increasing joy, fulfillment of purpose, and expanding impact for the Lord during our lives on earth, not to mention reward for all eternity. For Jesus, he also 
through him being obedient to God. He experienced this intimacy with God when he was raised from the dead. He experienced the, the miracle of that being, being God himself. And then look at what his ex experience um, or his obedience brought to him in Philippians 2. It says here, uh, Philippians 2 verse 7, instead, um, he, Jesus, emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him, gave him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you imagine that as a reward? The name above every name for Jesus, that every knee would bow. It's absolutely astounding. So friends, as I close, my encouragement to you, we are all going to experience tests in our lives. All of us will. God tested Abraham. We are going to experience tests. It's my prayer that we would walk through them as Abraham did, that we would listen for God's voice, that we would obey him even when it doesn't make sense, that we would press in to God during the hard times and that our tests truly would be stepping stones into what God has called us to. I don't want any of us to live in stagnation. I don't want any of us to be moving away from God. I want each of us to be moving towards him as Harvest family, to be taking these stepping stones, to be, to be closer to him, to live more in the purpose that he has for us. So I want us to respond um, today. And uh, the three ways that I'd love us to respond. Firstly, I'm going to pray for you if you're going through a test now and you are really struggling. You're going through a test and you're feeling abandoned by God. You're feeling alone. Secondly, I want to pray for, the, for, for us as people that we would respond to tests in the right way. We respond in a way that draws us closer to God. And thirdly, as we look towards Easter, I want to pray um, for those of us who don't know Christ and for those of us who do, that we would see Jesus as the ultimate one that we rely on, the one who, who, um, who flourished through the ultimate test as our example to follow. So let's pray together um, as we close off. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful, difficult, powerful journey that Abraham and Isaac went on, this test they went through, to give us both an example of the ultimate test that you would go through, Jesus, the ultimate journey you would work, walk through as Father and Son, but also to give us a model for us to go through the many trials and tests that we'll face as you grow us, as you develop us, as you bring us to maturity and completion at the day of Christ. I want to pray firstly for people who are in the toughest trial or test right now. If that's you, I want you really to, I don't mind if you're at one of the, the venues or if you're sitting in front of um, your, your TV or you're listening on podcasts, I want you to stand or I want you to put out your hands and I want you to come afresh to God and it doesn't matter if you cry. If, if you're one of the venues, you can call people around and say, hey, I just really need some prayer right now. I really need you to lay your hands on me. I'm, I'm going through something very difficult and I, 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 I don't know what to do. I, I don't know where God is. I feel abandoned, but, but please come alongside me and pray. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now for people who've raised their hands, who put their hands out, who are alone, who are with others. I pray that right now in this moment, Holy Spirit, you would, you would show a tenderness, and a closeness, sense of your presence like never before, sense of your courage and your strength to keep going, that these people will press on through this, this test, that they will see you on the other side. They will grow stronger as a result and walk more into the purpose that you have for them. 
Secondly, for each of us listening here today, Father, I pray that we would be a people who are prepared for tests that will come, that we would respond in the right way as Abraham did, that we would obey you, we would listen for your voice. And as a result, we would walk closer to you and in a greater um, purpose than before, that we wouldn't take detours, but that we would live rock solid for you. And so I pray for each of us, you'd prepare us, prepare us right now for these tests to come, that we would respond in the right way, in a way that honors you and glorifies you, that points people to Jesus and strengthens us. Finally, Lord Jesus, as we look towards Easter, the great test that you went through, the great trial, but where you conquered victorious, you defeated sin once and for all. You made a way for us to be with you for, for all eternity. I ask that we would never get tired of the cross, Lord Jesus. There's so many other benefits of the cross, but, but, but we don't want to forget the ultimate, most important key reason why we look at the cross, why we focus on the cross, why we, why we look towards Easter is because sin was paid for and that is enough. Even if you did nothing else in our lives, Lord Jesus, even if you did nothing ever, but you died for us, it is enough. You have done enough. We didn't deserve anything, but you have given of your life. So I pray for each of us right now and in the run up to Easter, that what you did on the cross for us would take on a greater significance, a greater meaning, a greater joy, a greater um, uh, intimacy, a greater fulfillment in our lives than ever before. We would share this with our kids. We would press into it with you and that this would be an incredibly special, special Easter for us as a harvest family and um, for those who we come into contact with um, beyond. Your amazing name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening, for being present at the sites. Um, we're so excited about meeting more together after, after Easter as we, as we go beyond that. And uh, please know that as a team and as an office, we're here, we're available. Um, it's been so great to connect with people one-on-one -on -one and WhatsApps and to, to see life groups happening and to see um, side meetings happening on Sundays. And we're part of a great family. And we're, we're part of the mission of God and we can't wait to see what He has in store for us. So have a brilliant, brilliant rest of your day. Thanks so much.